Let me say it again. Not to trust God at all is not to trust God at all. And God will not, God has not, and God will not lower his standard of trust for us. Why? Because he wants us to look to the one he, he sent to save us as a standard of trust. That because of Christ that we can trust the way that God has called us to trust today. But here's, here's the end. There's been accounts of people not trusting God. Adam and Eve, in chapter 3, they did not God. And they were kicked out of the Garden of Eden, representing the presence of God. The they did not believe so. Walked in a circle for 40 years, not enjoying the promises of God. And then if you look at in the New Testament, those born at the same time and country of Christ did not believe who he was. So they did not experience the power of God. And maybe there are some in this room because you have not trusted God or you you are not experiencing the presence of God, enjoying the promises of God and seeing the power of God. The number of sin that we see throughout the Bible is the sin of unbelief, our ability to trust a God who is worthy of our trust. The root of all sinful attitudes and actions is the failure to trust God. Now, y'all, did research for you uh, just the time. Man, why is it that we do not trust? And to really illustrate this, I think, in a good way, tell your story. It was a few years ago, I went to a funeral. And at this funeral, uh, this preacher was talking, bringing down the gospel, uh, saying that the issue here was not that the, that the deceased was gone. Yeah, yeah, that people, we, we are not happy when we lose a loved one. But he went on to say, how many of the issues we have. And so it got to a point in his uh, text and sermon that he said, will you please say with me issues? There I was out in the audience saying issues. He said, will you say it loudly? And there I was again with, with, with everyone else saying issues. And then he said, will you please say it slowly? He said, ish. He said, I lose you. You, why we don't trust God? The issue is you. You won't control, you seek comfort. You seek the approval of man at the expense of being approved by God. The, the issue is of and us trusting God. It's us. Because at the end of the day, we at times want to be God. And if we didn't, wouldn't we trust God? So, but here is... I was, I was, I was in, in John, you know, this, this idea of unbelief, this, this, that, 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 that the issue is us. In John chapter 20, we see Jesus confronting his disciples. They are cowards. They are hiding behind the door, and he comes in, and he tells them, peace, uh, 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 unto you I'm here. And, and what he, because they hid because of unbelief. And in John 27, John 20, verse 27, Jesus equated their unbelief as faithless. That they were faithless to a faithful God. 
And if the truth be told, there are some in this room we have faithless to God. But I have good news for you. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13 says that when we are faithless, God is faithful. For he cannot deny himself. His faithfulness is not rooted deep, uh, 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 it's not rooted in us. His faithfulness is always acts in conformity to his nature and not ours. God will always be God. No man is always himself, but God is always himself. He cannot be untrue to himself. So what I want to do today is to encourage us to trust God. To trust God. Because the truth is, since God blew breath into dust, there has not been a single man or woman that God has failed. If you look back over your life, please tell me where God has failed you. The issue is us. We don't trust him. And so today, we're going to be in the book of Proverbs. And my prayer is that today we will be encouraged to trust God. Solomon, who is the wisest, who was the wisest man at his time, he's, uh, he, he's written this letter for, uh, 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 for us, for people to, to learn how to apply the fear of God in their lives. That when we reverence God, that, we, that, 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 that he's that this book will help us to apply how uh, uh, to navigate, how to be skillful in life as we fear God. And Proverbs Chapter 3, which is where we are today, this is Solomon's uh, 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 second appeal, or it's the father's third appeal to a son. And, and this third appeal in this book is simply two words, to trust, to trust God. That no matter what goes on in life, son, no matter what you have, don't have, what you know, don't know, son, at the end of the day, please be found trusting God. So in Proverbs chapter 3, it's a very known text. I'm going to read it for our hearing, and then, and then we're going to dive right into it. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In some of your ways. No, it says in... 99.99% of your ways. No. He says, in all your ways know him, and he will make and turn from evil. This will be healing for your body and strengthening to your bones. Under the law with your possessions, with the first produce of entire harvest. Then your bones will be completely filled, and your vats will overflow with New one. What we see here first is, uh, 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 I believe it's what the father is calling to uh, uh, his son to in us, is this call to trust God. Uh, this word trust, this word trust, it means to depend on, to be confident in, and to set one's hope on. In the original sense, it was like sitting in a seat or leaning on a table with full confidence knowing that this table or this seat could hold me. See, no one today came in and sat down on this seat said, oh, let me make sure. We sat down with full confidence in a seat. Oh, yet we lack the same confidence with God. That how can we trust in the seat that God made the men who made the seats to actually put together the seats and not trust the God who is creator over the seats? See, we, we, we can trust the things of God, but not trust God himself. And so what he said, man, will you please have a deep 
dependence, full reliance, full assurance on who God is. He says, man, will you please trust, depend, put your full confidence in God that he, he will, he will keep you. See, 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 the, the object of this trust is the Lord. Now, there you will see in the Bible three lords. You see here, the Lord, all caps, Lord. But then you'll see like, like in Psalm 110, Lord, uh, capital A, then you'll see Lord, all small caps. That speaks to a false god. Here he's speaking about Jehovah. This, this Lord, this Jehovah is, 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 the, is the Jehovah that Moses met in the, the burning bush. This is the same Lord that when Moses asked God, who should I tell the people of Israel that who sent me? He said, tell them that the Lord, I am who I am, sent you. Tell them that I am who I am. And, and, and this name, it is to bring a full confidence, a dependability, a trustworthiness of us to have in God. He's why God can be trusted. He can never make a mistake because he declares the end from the beginning. He is trustworthy because he is holy. You can always trust God to, to, to act with no with no ulterior moves and only for the glory of his name. You can trust God because he, he is perfect in love. That is, he will never be unkind and will always do what is best for you. Yet, his perfect love balances his absolute holiness. Saying this, he will never let us go because we let him go. He will never let us down because we didn't look up to him. He will never let us off the hook because we chose sin over him. Why? His faithfulness is not tied to us. God's faithfulness is not tied to our work or person, but it is tied to the work and person of Jesus Christ. And that's goodness. What if God says, I'm going to trust you as long as you trust me. We'll all be messed up. So here is, here is this call. Here is this call to trust in God because he's worthy to be trusted. Can I ask you a question? How does your trust scale look over the past year? Over the past month? Over the past week? Can you say with confidence, I've trusted in the Lord Jehovah, the one who is all wise, holy, and perfect in love? I put my full confidence in him. Let's look at the condition of the call. It is to trust God with all your heart. Earlier I said that not to quote God with all is not to quote God at all. God has not left it to chance or choice on how we should trust him. The same way that God has called us to trust him, uh, 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 called us to love him, he's called us to trust him. He's called us to love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. God, God wants us to be entirely dependent on him with our all. Listen, not to trust God with our all is an insult to a God who, who is the God of all. But here's the point. God is a patient God. He will begin a relationship with us even when we have only a flawed faith. But he would never stop demanding complete trust. Are you trusting God with your all in your marriage? Are you trusting God with your all in your 
finances? Are you trusting God with your all, with that person that gets on your last? Are you trusting God with your all when it comes to health? Are you trusting God with your all? Are you fully leaning on God? Even when things get dark and, and gloomy, can you still trust God who even in darkness, the Bible says, he sees as light. It's easy to trust God when it's all going good. But, but what happens when it all starts going downhill? What happens when your wife leaves you and your son leaves you? What, what happens when your health fails? What happens when people hurt you? What happens? Do you still trust in God with your all? That's the key. He expects us to trust him at all times, even in the darkest moments. But how, 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 I'm, I'm glad you asked. We do this by consistently growing in and looking to Jesus to grow us in our trust in God. See, the condition will never change. The call will never change. We are called to trust God. Here's the condition with our own. And here's the caution in the same verse. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Then it says, and lean not to your own understanding. Let me say this. God is not calling us to change at the door. Again, he's the same God that calls us to, to love him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. He's the same God that says that we are to put on the mind of Christ. Rather than him asking us to check our brain or, or our mind, he's asking, can I change your mind? Rather than checking your brain at the door, can I change your mind with my words? Here's what Romans says. Romans 2, uh, says, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that we may discern what is that good, acceptable, and pleasing will of God. We'll never discern his will without our minds. So he's not saying here, don't use your mind, but let me change your mind. Same word, y'all, I, lean, 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 it's a strong word. But this, this same word is found twice in the Old Testament. It's found in 2 Samuel chapter 1. But now let me give you the backdrop of this. In 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 6, you have this servant coming to report to David that Saul, Saul was dead. David asked the guy, give me an account. Well, the guy said, well, I happen to be at the mount where I saw, I saw Saul, listen now, leaning on his sword. The story is that Israel had been defeated in war. And, and, and Saul and his sons, they ran away. Now, he asked his armor bearer, man, can you please finish the work, finish the job? And the guy says, man, I can't, I can't touch God's anointing. So the Bible says that Saul, he, 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 he drove the sword himself and leaned over. And when the servant came at that point in time and saw Saul leaning over, he reported to David. Let me submit. If you will let me say this. We commit spiritual suicide whenever we lean solely and only on our understanding. Whenever we leave solely and only to the counsel of man, having never sought God, nothing good comes from that. 
As a matter of fact, let me just tell you if no one else has told you, you are not as smart as you think. I don't care how many books you read, how many people you can quote, you are not as smart as you think. The Bible says in, Psalm, uh, in Proverbs 3.7, don't be wise in, in, in your own eyes. Only a fool is wise in his own eyes. So when he said, Minister, when it comes to, 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 to trusting God, that we have to get to the point where God has the final say-so over our lives. Now, he's not saying not to seek counsel. He's not saying not to, uh, 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 not to use your brain, but when you seek the counsel of man and never seek the counsel of God, that is spiritual suicide. When God's word is never your final authority, that's suicide. Nothing good comes from that. Ask me. I know. I know. When, 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 when your understanding is at you, that's a bad thing. When it is at man only, that's a bad thing. We are to pray, to seek God's word, put things be before community, and trust God to speak to us. For his ways are not our ways, and his thoughts are not our thoughts. We must seek God if we trust him. The, the caution of the call is to seek people who will uh, tell us what we would like, uh, what we want to hear, and avoid those we don't want to hear. I'm just saying, man, when it comes to seeking God, I'm saying, when it comes to trusting God, put the issues before God. Trust God. Don't let things end with man. Please, that's the caution. But then, as you trust God in all, he's saying in verse 6 now, know God in all ways. Now, now, now the King James Version says, to acknowledge, the ESV acknowledged, the NIV acknowledged. The CSB actually gets the heart of the text right. It is to know him in all ways. The idea here is to be aware of the providence of God. Now, if you're not familiar with the Heidelberg Catechism, I strongly suggest you get this book. It was written in the 1500s, and what they did to, act, to, to help uh, to bring forth unity and to prevent more factions in the Protestant movement, they, they wrote this book to help men, to, to help inform, to, to help teach doctrine, to help, help those who did know understand what the Bible said. So this, is a, this, this book is small, but it is a powerful book. And in questions of God, it asks, what do you understand by his providence? It says, it is, the, it is that the almighty everywhere present God of, uh, that the almighty everywhere present power of God, whereby, as it were, by his hand, he still upholds heaven and earth with all creatures, and so governs them with herbs and grass, rain and drought, fruitful and barren years, meat and drink, health and sickness, riches and poverty. Yet all things come not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. Nothing comes by chance, he says. But so, so, so how, does this, how does this apply? Well, in question 28, he answers it. So that we may be patient in adversity, thankful in prosperity, and for what is future, have good confidence in our faithful God and Father that no creature shall separate us from his love. Since all creatures are so in his hand, and without his will, they cannot so much as move. What is the psalmist saying? That as you trust God with all your heart and lean not to man's wisdom, man's understanding, will you come to know me in all ways, paths, and journeys of life? 
Will you be aware of my presence, power, and ability to govern in God every step of the way? Will you know me that way? Will you not try to live this life unaware of my providence, my power, my ability, my, my governing hand? How many of us today live life this way, knowing that we, that, that, that we serve a God who is powerful, present, and able to govern and guide every situation, even he says, whether it's fruitful and bearing yields, meat or drink, health and sickness, which is poverty. He says, all these things, he says, come not by chance. And the ultimate path for any Christian, the ultimate path, the, the, the ultimate runway for any Christian is found in Romans chapter 8, where it all comes out, where it says, and we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined that they might be conformed into the image of Jesus. And that he might be the first fruit of many brothers and sisters. What am I saying? That as you walk this life of Christianity, God is able to take all things and to make them work together for your good as you, as he conform you into the image of the one who saved you. He can take anything Evil or bad done to you. People lying on you, talking bad about you. Even when you are, are, are struggling financially, God said that I can use that. I can make my son. Do you know that? Are you aware of God's providence as you trust him? So we can trust God with our own. We can know God in all things and know that he will make our path smooth and straight. But also it says, when trusting God, we can all, it, it's, 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 it's tied to fearing God. Look at uh, verse uh, 7b. For the Lord and turn away from evil. This would be him. To trust me is to fear me and to fear me is to run away from evil. See, when you sit in his presence, when you open up his word and listen to him speak words of your heart and in your heart, that, 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 that prayerfully he's becoming more beautiful to you, more attractive to you, where you choose him over sin. See, when Christ becomes greater, when Christ becomes bigger, when Christ becomes better, we choose him over sin. The best way to run from sin is the cling to Jesus. Are you clinging to him? You say you fear him, but are you really clinging to him? So, so those who trust God, they, they fear God. Those who fear God, those who fear God, now they, they, they honor God, verse 9. Honor the law with your possessions and with your first produce of all your entire harvest. Then your bones will be completely filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now, there's a lot, of, there's a lot to say about this text. But let me say this. These two verses are the only verses where the Proverbs is requiring the leader or the learner to know about or to conform to the religious practice of ancient Israel. It's the only, only verse in Proverbs where he said, man, you must understand your history of Israel to really grab this. So Israel had plenty of possessions. But one of the things that you notice about them, that man, they, there was this thing called the tithe. It was called the first. Now, now, most people, when they talk about tithing, they, they aim at the amount and not the attitude. They aim at the doing and not the heart. At the heart of tithing is showing God that he's first and best. But at the heart of tithing, is, 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 it's really not 
the amount. It's not really, it's not primarily the 10, it's, it's, it's how you give. Do you give in a way where you still trust God? Here it is. This is not the appropriate way of tithing. Get paid, pay my bills, pay my phone bill, pay my debt, then pay God. The appropriate way to honor God because you trust God is to first give to God. That before I do anything with my check, I say, God, this is yours. You are first and best in my life. So I'm going to trust you and give it all to you. I'm going to give you 10 first, God, and I'm going to trust you with the rest. Is this how we take giving? Is he first and I give him? Uh, uh, one, one, God said, God, who is first and best, must have the first and best of everything. His right is prior to all other, and therefore he must be served and given to first. First. Well, that's the law. Well, no, it's not. 500 years before the law came, Abraham, whom is said to be our father of faith, he gave 10%. See, see, we, we, we look at the, and you give us the, I'm first in your life. The, I'm the best thing that, 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 that's ever happened to you. To give that way is to trust God. Do we trust him? Do we trust him? When it comes to giving, my old pastor said this, Giving is not what God can get from you. It's what God can do for you. God simply wants to see, is he first in our life? Now, on top of that, giving, there's this idea of extreme generosity. So let me hit this for five minutes, and then I'm going to sit down. Extreme Generosity. Not only should God get the first, but even the 90 is his. None of the hundred belong to you. We are called to be good stewards over his money. Whether rich or poor, it's all his. And God has said, I want to bless you by showing you how to trust me by making me first. Okay? All right? So, so you see in the Bible there are you see, in Exodus, there's a case of extreme generosity. Exodus 36, you see it in Luke, in Luke 21. You see it in Luke 10. You see it in, in Luke 10. I mean, uh, uh, you see it in Acts 4. And you also see it in 2 Corinthians 8 through 9. That these people are giving above and beyond their ordinary giving. They're giving ex in extreme fashions. Why? Because there were needs at times for then and now for, for, uh, 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 for, for needs to be met. And Omni, here's where I'm getting to today. We have gotten to a point where God is calling us to trust him, to lean on, to trust in, and to set our hope on him. A couple of, uh, a, a couple of weeks ago, I was going to come to you guys and I was going to inform you that, hey, Omni, we had a building to put a bed on. That building did not, fail, uh, did not fall through. But in that meeting, someone from Omni said, well, why don't we start now? Why don't we start now? See, someone in that room was actually exercising faith when I wasn't. See, faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. I didn't see the staircase. But she said, let's take a step. So, Omni, God is calling us to take a step in trusting him. Let me show you how this is going to work out. There, we have on the line there and play no building right now. None. 
But we prayed, and, and we are praying, man, that God would give us, give us a building to do four things, to help proclaim the gospel in a more stable and consistent place, to help equip the saints for his ministry, to help serve uh, uh, the city and beyond, and prayerfully for it to be a plant to plant churches. So we're looking for a building to do that, to, to plant some roots in a city uh, uh, to make much of Jesus. In order for us to do that, in talking to our advisory team in the areas of Stonegate Church, they said, Valentine, I know I told you guys last time we need to raise 35000 They said, no. Omni needs to raise in total $100,000. I said, well, how? Are you going to give it to us? He said, no. Valentine, what do you have in the account? I told him. He said, man, you're taking, what he said, 80% of that. Y'all, you, Omni, you guys have to trust God. So they said, man, we want you to take $50,000 out of the account. We want Omni to raise the other half and trust God to move. They did say they were in it to help us, man, but they wanted to see us exercise some faith. So how will we do this? There's a chart on the board. It's a gift chart. Now, see this as a tool to, to help you grow in your faith from God or in God. So in order, for us to, in order for us to get this number, here's how we've actually broken it down. That we need three people to give 5000 a piece. Five to give 2500 Ten to give 1000 15 to give 500 and 10 to give 250. Uh, I'm sorry, 10, 10 to give, man. Oh, that's right, amen. I'm wrong. That's right. The total is us raising $50,000. We're calling this of the next three months, trusting God. So what I'm asking you guys to, to do first is to pray. Now, here's what I know. For us, my wife and I, we just came out of a campaign uh, uh, this, 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 uh, this year. And we've gotten the ability, man, to save some money. And when I brought this to my wife about, baby, hey, you know, I think we gotta, we gotta do something. And my wife said of our savings, give it all. I said, huh? She said, D, give it all. I did not expect it from my wife. But just what she was saying, the elders of Stonegate said, Valentine, you need to trust God in this season. That's why we got to pray. Listen, the light in this season is going to be you. It's going to be you and God. You're going to bail out and give God some excuses on why you shouldn't trust him. The issue is trusting God. That's the issue. It's, it's trusting God. Number two, when you see this, and you say, well, I'm nowhere on there. So we want to come alongside, like I said then, to help those families who don't have it to give, to give. Nobody is excused from sacrificing for God. The woman in Luke 10 gave two mites her all, and God praised her. 
We have to get before God with an open hand and an open mind. We cannot in this moment lean on our own understanding. We must trust God. Number three, over, the next, over this fall, early spring, we're going to have a financial class to help those who are struggling get healthy financially. Healthy financially. Okay, and so that's our, that's our commitment to you, to help you, to, to, to invest in you where you can give to God, live, and then save. That's healthy living. That's healthy giving for us. Uh, uh, health, that's what we call or, or defined as he- being healthy financially. Living, giving, and saving. Thirdly, over the next three months, so that's September, October, November, we're going to go through this time of, of this season. Now, we're going to have one day, which is October 21st. That's going to be our big give day. Where, man, you're going to, you, can, you can give now or you, or you can give then. But that day, we're asking God to do something that shows and displays our trust in, in him. Heart matter. It's a heart matter. For many in the room, We've thrown ourselves on the mercy and work of Christ eternally. That we've plunged, we've jumped, and we said, God, catch us. And salvifically, he's caught us. How can we trust God with our souls and not trust God with our stuff? We made the jump spiritually but won't make the jump financially. The issue is we don't trust God. So what I want to do is spend these last few moments praying. So there will be no music right now. And I know if you're a first-time guest, I do not apologize for you hearing this because giving is always a heart matter to, to every Christian. And we thank God that you're here to hear and, 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 and to ask the question, have, do you trust God? First of all, have you trusted God with your soul? Have you trusted in the person and work of Jesus for God to start the heart work in your life? Have you trust? If you have not done that, we ask now and this time that you would do that now, that you would, that you would trust God. And man, we ask, ask at Omni, before you give any money, please give your soul to Jesus. If you do not know him, we ask that, man, that you give nothing but your soul to him. That's number one. Number two, for those of us who, who know him, who has put our trust in him, here is another way to know that God in his providence, that he will provide for you. So we're asking you to trust him. So I'm going to give you just a few moments just to seek God and, and to see where your heart is now. Remember, God... He wants to renew, change our minds. His biggest task in this is to make us more like Jesus. The only way that we'll give in a way that is trusting God is that we grow in the trust and love for Jesus. I know normally we end each Sunday with communion. But I'm asking to say that we just, man, just spend these last moments communing with God. Money is a sensitive topic. It's the only thing where Christ said, you can't serve me and money. 
we have to make a choice today that would please God, that would bring glory to God. So, Father, will you please work in this room? How many of us say we trust you, but when it comes to our finances, we don't? Show them the grace of giving, the beauty of giving to advance your kingdom, to do your work through them and in their lives. So pray. Ask, ask God's spirit to work, to move. I want to ask those who who are uh, who's doing our offering that we that you would please take take now your position right now. You know what? Yes, yes. Go ahead. Please take take your position right now. I want to read this before we pass it out. The point is this. Whoever, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Not of reluctance or under compulsion. For God, again, the attitude, he loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in Every good work. As the bucket is being passed around, let me say this. If you have not trusted in Christ in this moment, please do not give. Rather, give your soul to Christ. Number two, trust God. So please go ahead and, and, and let the uh, baskets be passed around. Uh, everyone, please just pray. Let's keep praying, praying for your neighbor, praying for yourself. We want to just spend this time communing with God. We have various ways to give. You can give in the bucket, or you can or on a screen. You'll see other ways that we. Uh, do give, but again, we're aiming at the heart. We're aiming at your affection and not the amount. We want you to give in a way where you're and to give to him consistently. In Proverbs ten, there was a there's a there's a reward for the giving, and we don't. Preach, we don't promote the gospel that, 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 that says that if you give, you're blessed. In other words, prosperity gospel. We, don't, we, don't, we do not promote that here, but it says here in the text, honor the Lord with, with your possessions and with, our, and with your first produce of your entire harvest. Then your bones will be completely filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. There's a command and then there's a motive. 
a command and a, and a, and a reward. But for Christians, our great reward is Jesus. We, we know that, that our home in heaven is settled. We know our reward is coming. Now then, it's coming. But God, he, he, he wants to motivate his children to give to him, to trust him. And let him decide what to do, whether to bless you financially, spiritually, and health. He, let God choose how to bless you. We don't give to get. We give because we're grateful. We get to give. We get to give to a God who's given us so much in Christ. We get to give. I pray we all see giving as that, an opportunity to express our thanks to God. We get to give. Because he's given us so much. Let me end our time in prayer. Father God, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this season of Omni, a young church plant 18 months in, and yet you're calling us to, to, to trust you. With our all, just not financially, but in all of life. You're asking us to deeply depend, to have full confidence, to know that you will support, to have our hope set on you, God. And if you are struggling with forgiveness or, 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 or trusting God, like I said earlier, God is a patient God. He's invited flawed people to trust in a faithful God. So God, we thank you that even as your word declares, when we are faithless, you are faithful, for you cannot deny yourself. Your faithfulness is devoted to your character, to your work, to your person, not us. So God, we thank you. We love you. Show us the beauty and trust in you with all our hearts and not leaning to our own understanding, but in all our ways, knowing you and trusting that you will direct our path. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.